right, guys, welcome back to another Hi. edition of the Three Bagger Podcast. I'm Evan, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Frieri. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, Evan. I, I know we both got vaccinated recently, so that's exciting news. Uh, both vaccinated, going back to a normal world up here. I know we're actually going to be meeting here in a couple weeks down in Florida, so it's really excited, looking forward to that. But, you know, baseball's back, Evan. Uh, season's about two weeks underway, and I'm excited to talk some ball with you. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm really excited for this Florida trip we're, do- we're doing. We're going to a couple baseball games down there at the Trop. Uh, I believe we're going to see the Astros a couple times, so that'll be definitely fun considering how much Astros hate we uh, spew on this pod. Yeah, maybe do a couple of live episodes at the ballpark or some live segments. We'll see. We There's a lot we can do with it, so I'm really excited for that, Nick. And like you said, there's some baseball to talk about. We're finally underway in the season, about, what, 10, 11 games in some teams. Yep. Um, early thoughts, Nick. What do you got? Early thoughts. I'm right here. Kind of a couple guys really stand out. You look at Acuna Jr. The dude just killing it right now. I know you got on fancy. You're pretty happy. You beat me pretty bad last week in fancy. Probably do him. He's currently slashing four four two. He's got like an thousand. He's got a slug, a slug of a thousand, which is crazy to think of someone who's slugging a thousand. That basically means they're 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 in the ball pretty well. We get some other guys like Mercedes for the White Sox really came out of nowhere. He's currently hitting 475. It's kind of interesting. Like some of these guys are coming out. Trout always consistent. He's having a pretty good year too. Otani's hitting bombs. And also the two no hitters we've had so far. It's kind of really a couple of things that really stood out to me so far, Evan. Yeah, definitely. Yerman Mercedes, I mean, he has been absolutely phenomenal. I recently talked to a buddy that's actually in our fantasy league as well on Discord. And he had a couple of funny stories about Mercedes when he was with the Orioles. And I mean, the guys, like you said, been flaming hot to start the year. Acuna, you failed to mention, also leads the league in homers. He had a seventh True. today in the afternoon game. So, yeah, like you said, very happy that guy's on my fantasy squad forever. Never letting him go. <laughs> um, the two no hitters, yeah, Musgrove and Rod- Radon. Musgrove too in his hometown. That's awesome. That's, That's just cool. phenomenal. And Radon, I mean, his career's kind of been up and down. That's great for him too, and two in the last two years for the White Sox too. Giolito threw one last year. Yeah, man. I especially look at that no hitter. I know Rodoni's been hurt, but like I don't know if you saw the end of that. But he was basically a pitch away from having the perfect game. He he ends up hitting a batter like in the in the ninth inning. And oh. um, I'm gonna say for the sake of the batter too, he he hit him in the foot. He should have moved out of the way. Like, let's be real here. Like, if a guy's trying to move out of the way, it hit him in the foot, barely hit him. Like, come on now. Just to be that close to a perfect game, especially we haven't had one since tw- uh, since 2012. And think about it, like, eight years, considering, like, again, like in that range, we had, like, three or four in a couple of years set. It's crazy how long we've had a perfect game. But to see two no-hitters, it's interesting to think, Evan, do you think the new balls they have this year is, is any effect on that? I mean, it's possible. I- I'd like to see the um... – home run rate and Definitely. as to like last season like through the first 10 games of the last two seasons if you want to try to pull that up there um i actually didn't even know it was a perfect game up until that because so obviously you know my work schedule is pretty hectic and i i fell asleep really early last night and i woke up to this news and was scrolling through twitter you know early in the morning and saw that radone i get i was really tired i kind of did a double take to look at it, it was like radone threw a perfect or a no hitter so I didn't even know that it was a perfect game up until the final out. That's crazy. That's awful. I, I would say, though, on your comment about, you know, moving out of the way, if you're on the other side of that, you don't want to be a part of that. No, that no. history. You don't want to be the team that got, you know, perfect game pretty much. So I would exactly. say that you're leaning into that ball more if you're on the other team. I, I would say so, that yeah, as Evan, fans. Yeah, so Evan, I get that, Evan. But please, when you have a chance at this pod, go watch it. He needs to move. Like, 
yeah. to just say that the way it hit him too it's very lazy like i said it hit him on top of the foot most people will move anyway so they don't want to get a hit like yeah. he needs like, to move as like, a discussion i get what you're saying bob but he needs to move yeah no definitely i mean that's the rule in baseball you have to make an effort to get out of the way so <laughs> yeah. i i mean yeah I, that that's brutal though for redound all right, let's take a look at the standings a little bit here. Um, early on, the Red Sox have been really hot. They got swept by the Orioles in that first series and then rattled off nine straight. They did, however, lose today. Today is the 15th that we're recording this. Uh, they lost the day game to the Twins, but they have been red hot. J.D. Martinez has been on fire. Alex Verdugo has come alive lately. I haven't paid too much attention to the streak just because I really don't like the Red Sox, and I'm very – you know, their, their pitching is not going to hold up throughout the whole year. So while they are on a hot streak over the year, they're going to have to outslug their opponents. And there's just not enough streak to be able to go for 162 games. Do you have a different opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they have a chance to compete, especially right now. They're showing earlier on right now. It, it is only a one game lead as we're recording on the uh, Blue Jays. But this, I think this could be a very competitive, maybe three, four team race in its division so far. Everyone kind of breaks out. Well, the Red Sox have a great streak, which we just see at the end of the month, at the end of May. Are they still in first or kind of did they fall back down to earth? Obviously, that they've lost today when recording. Will that affect them in any way? Will they be able to keep the momentum going? Can they pull off another streak? So, I think this division is going to be a lot more competitive than we thought. I think we were both on agreement that the Yankees could basically win this one pretty easily as long as they didn't get hurt. But right now, it looks like this going to be a very competitive division, but it's also very interesting. A couple of other things I want to highlight here, Evan. Uh, Dodgers are killing it. I'm not a fan of that, but, you know, they're doing pretty well. Good for the Giants right now. They're in second place. Don't really see them getting anywhere near the Dodgers, but, hey, good for the Giants, man. They're competing really well. After a slow start here, uh, after the A's had a brutal Astros, Dodgers, Astros schedule. They've started to get back to that together. Only two games under 500 with the Tigers coming up. Yeah, Dodgers, very hot start. I mean, we definitely kind of expected this from the Dodgers and the Padres to be, you know, nine, 10 wins in their first 12, 13, and they're going to be up there uh, really all year. I yep. wanted to go back to the AL East for a second, too. I agree with you that it's going to be competitive, and we definitely might have underestimated the Red Sox a little bit, but I'm saying over the span of like the 162 game season, the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays, I think are going to prevail a little bit more just because the Red Sox pitching is so weak. And I mean, I don't trust that bullpen. The bullpen has been very good. It's, it's been a very good pen, but I don't trust it to hold up over a full 162 game season, but we will see the AL East will be very interesting. I don't like what I see from the Yankees so far. They've, they've been pretty bad in my opinion. They've won a couple of games obviously, but yeah, their pitching has been pretty subpar. Their offense has disappeared at times. Um, if they were going into the playoffs right now, I'd be very, like, not confident at all that they were going to make any noise. Uh, I'm also going to jump back over to the AL here a little bit. The Mariners and the Angels, well, it is, you know, only a couple of games in. They're leading that division. The Mariners have eight wins, and they don't have Kalenic up yet. They don't have Julio Rodriguez. Or do they have Julio Rodriguez up? Did he make the roster to start? Not sure about that one. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll check while we're kind of talking here. But, yeah, the Astros, like you said, the A's, very tough. So uh, anything you got to say on that, Nick? Yeah, uh, for the Mariners, they do this. They'll be full. They have very good Aprils. In the seasons past, they've, they've been first place in April. Is this the year they could finally make it? Do not be fooled by 
don't be not be fooled by Seattle. They're they may lead by the end of, by the end of April, but like kind of the way you feel about the Red Sox is the way I feel about Seattle. I I think Seattle will this will finally be able to get to the team that will be able to be competitive in two years when they have all their guys come up. I think they'll finally have the right cycle, the right cycle of guys. I think the prospects are very high, but don't not be fooled by this team. The Angels though, I think the Angels is this year they break out. I'm never high on the Angels because I think. They're kind of always like the most overhyped team of all. Look at Mike Trout. They got they got Rendon. They got Showtime, and they really haven't done anything in the past ten years with Trout. But now it's like okay, the Astros are falling a bit. They have some guys to the DL now. A's are kind of an average team right now. So it looks like this could be the Angels' division going forward here, Evan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they definitely got the talent to do it. It's really just them picking up the pieces and putting them together. I think they'll try to make a couple splashes at the trade deadline. They've got some decent prospects. Uh, Adele and Brandon Marsh they're both very good outfield prospects I could see them maybe parting with one or one of them for some pitching maybe because outside of you know Otani and I think Heaney I don't really know exactly. what they have Griffin Canning uh, yeah they they can definitely shell out for some pitching that'll be available let's see AL Central here I mean they're all pretty much deadlocked yeah. This is not a very strong division. We went over no. it. I'm a little bit surprised that the White Sox are six and seven, but it's a long season. Yeah. The Royals leading. The Royals actually don't look terrible. I, I've right. I haven't watched a bunch of their games, but like I've paid attention to some of the final scores and some of the play. I mean, not bad. They're I mean, they're not gonna finish top of the division, but I could maybe see a little bit farther up, you know, like third, fourth, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Cleveland doesn't look amazing. Have you seen Emmanuel Clay's pitch, though? That dude is amazing. He's got velocity. He's got wicked movement. And he pretty much just swiped the ninth inning job from uh, Karinchek as well. Nice. Everyone came into the season thinking it was going to be Karinchek uh, being the closer, but it's Clay's. And then one more thing as well, the Tigers, Akil Badu, he had a ridiculous spring. Rule five pick from Minnesota. At that, I mean, they're, he's sticking it to Minnesota right now. I mean, yeah, he, you you would hate to see that, you know, as a Minnesota fan or like the organization having a team grab one of your guys for Rule Five and him just go off and hit very well. So good scouting and pick from the Tigers. I don't think I have any more updates or thoughts on the first couple of games so far. Acuna for MVP. Anything yeah, else? man. I'm, I- I think I agree with that. The other thing I really have early games, I don't know if you saw the Sunday night game a couple of days ago between the uh, Phillies and the Braves. Basically what happened there, it was a major blown call to home plate. Um, Alex Bohm slides in, totally misses the bag, but yet they still call him safe. So it kind of sparked this huge debate on Twitter. It's like, okay, if we're going to have this replay, what's the point of having it? If you clearly, clearly miss this guy, who did not hit the base and it, it kind of feels a lot of things. I know Braves fans were throwing stuff on the field. Dan Swanson had to respond saying, Hey guys, don't throw stuff on the field. So it's kind of interesting. What kind of spark kind of like it's nationally televised game. Cause certainly this would happen in the game. People probably wouldn't care, but it was like nationally televised Sunday night and they miss a huge call. Evan. Yeah, that was terrible. I, that was another one that I was asleep for, but I woke up in the morning and watched it and was like, how do you call him safe on that? Even like, I agree that it could possibly be interpreted that his heel or like spike yeah. maybe tapped like the black corner of the base, but like still replay evidence has to be conclusive. Right. That was by no means conclusive. There's no reason he should have been safe. They should have been going to extra innings there. That was absolutely ludicrous. And I mean, the, the lashback from the players and the fans is very warranted 
Uh, the only thing I have to say about that is Rob Manfred. Are you serious? Fix it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. That's, that's, I, I completely agree with that. Just absolutely ridiculous there. All right, guys. And that's going to conclude our early season MLB update. I think we'll be kind of be coming through and just on future pause updating during the season on our thoughts, just like we just did. So that'll be a pretty common occurrence on the three bagger podcast during the season. So we'll be right back. We have a special interview with Mr. Minor League Baseball himself, Benjamin Hill. All right, guys, welcome to a special edition of the Three Bagger Podcast. We have Benjamin Hill on with us, a.k.a. Ben Biz. Uh, You can find him on MLB.com and MILB.com. Man's been to over 177 ballparks. He's also featured on the Show Before the Show podcast. Ben, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no problem at all, Ben. We got to give you all the pay. Speaking of the 177 ballparks you go to, because baseline pre-COVID, obviously before the world kind of changed, about how many games you say you'd go to per year? Well, you know, that kind of changed over the years, but um, really this was in the bulk. This was basically done between 2010 and 2019, and it's 177 ballparks, but uh, I don't have the exact tally, but a lot of repeats in there. So let's say... 250 professional ballpark visits over the course of 10 seasons. Let's say 25 ballparks visited a year, roughly for a decade. Good amount. Yeah, pretty decent. Yeah, a lot. All right. So going off that, how did you originally get involved with like minor league baseball? And just like, how did you get on your career path in general? Just like a little history of like education, that sort of stuff. Yeah. uh, You know, I get asked this a fair amount and still haven't really found a way to give like a real coherent explanation. Um, you know, I, I went, grew up, yeah, here I am starting at the beginning. I'll, I'll, I'll begin in childhood. Um, there we go. Uh, but yeah, I, I grew up a huge baseball fan. So just, you know, probably goes without saying, but want to make that clear, always a baseball obsessive and always um, the, the quirks of baseball really appealed to me um, and how, what a weird sport it is. And I know it goes to any, goes for any sport that you can see something new every time, but I feel like baseball has, just the greatest permutations of things. And as just as a kid, a Phillies fan, uh, I was just enamored with the game and uh, that and music were the two things I kind of got obsessive about. But anyway, I I went to college, majored in communications, uh, didn't know what to do, got in the education field, uh, moved to New York City along the way, decided I didn't want to do education, was floundering around, temping, taking random gigs, just kind of doing whatever I could, saying yes to things. And a friend of mine who I'd met a year or two before uh, got a job writing game recaps for minorleaguebaseball.com, which is now MILB.com. It was the first year of the site. It was 2005. This had never been done before, just a website encompassing all of minor league baseball. It was a new thing. And uh, he was like, hey, man, you, you're always looking for work. You love baseball. You know, they need more writers. And I said, sure. And because the site was new, uh, they didn't even, I didn't really go through a hiring process. They were just like, oh, you're Zach's friend. Uh, cool. Let's do it. And uh, so it was my first job, a writing job of any kind, first job, you know, in the sports industry. I was basically temping, tutoring, you know, working all sorts of crazy one-off events. And uh, then I was a baseball writer. But when that started, I just thought that was going to be a part-time gig for a few months. I mean, it was part-time, night shift, hourly. You know, I, 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 at the time, I thought this is just one more random thing I'm doing at an exceedingly random period of my life. And uh, again, I, st- I said I would uh, try to make this uh, short, but here I am. So 
one thing leads to another. They, they don't, you know, just let me go after the season. I start coming in during the day. I'm the only writer during the day. I start getting assigned random stories. The next season starts. I'm asked to write a promo column. And I have a lot of fun with that because when you write about minor league baseball promotions, you can learn a lot of weird and obscure stuff and you can riff and make jokes and kind of have it fit in the context of your writing that straight sports journalism really doesn't allow for. And when I was writing that column, uh, I started to get feedback from people in the industry because no one had ever done that before. And minor league baseball is an industry always wants to know what other teams are doing. You know, they, they operate in their own markets. So uh, they're very much they're very big on idea sharing. And so me inadvertently just trying to figure things out, making jokes, kind of that was the beginning of a niche of uh, covering promotions and how the teams operate and stuff. So um, after the feedback from the promo column, A, me liking it and B, realizing it was just something never been done and that people, at least in the industry, like to read. And I hope fans like to read it, too, of course. Uh, you know, started a blog after that, continued to develop this niche, which I now call the business and culture of minor league baseball, uh, you know, just plowed away for a number of years. And uh, after almost five years, I got full time. And at that point, I was like, well, geez, somehow I got a full time job out of this. Um, but also, I've only been to a handful of minor league ballparks. And if I'm really this is my job, I, I kind of need to go to these places I'm writing about to understand them. And that's how the road trip started. And one year led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And all of a sudden I've been to, not all of a sudden, the opposite of all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Um, I you know, made it to every active minor league ballpark at the end of 2018 and uh, really made the traveling a big part of what I do as well. So yeah, it was not the short answer. There you go. There you go. Appreciate the long answer though. I'm sure some people listening to this will definitely take something out of that. I know. Last year was tough for all of us. There was no minor league baseball season. Can I, can I talk about what it was like for you having not being able to travel, just being able to write about it, but not actually having games last year? Well, yeah, I mean, goes without saying it was weird the way it was weird for everyone, no matter what their life is specifically. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to keep this job throughout the season. And uh, the funny thing about it was that, you know, minor league baseball still needed covering <laughs> uh, in a way more than ever. Um, because they didn't have games, but I really took a lot of pride in, you know, in the beginning, even writing about things I never would have written about in the past, because it's like, it's just too commonplace, but being like, hey, this team's having a fireworks show in the parking lot, you know, that stuff like that became a big deal. So I really loved that I had this niche that I carved out that I was really able to cover what these teams are doing, to still bring in some form of revenue to still bring in engage with the community to some extent. And so that did mean a lot to me. Of course, I miss being at the ballpark. Um, you know, you know, COVID sucked. All the, the pandemic obviously goes without saying it sucked. I'll admit there was a part of me that was it was kind of nice not to have my summer be so manic and running around and getting back from one trip and planning the next one. Um, so in a way, I sort of enjoyed the break on that level. But um, it also got me thinking, you know, I'm prone to existential crises and it definitely helped create that. I'm like, well, if I'm not going to ballparks and doing that, like, then who am I? Do I exist? You know, so it was, it was tough on that way. And uh, looking forward to getting back out there. I don't really know what the plan is for 2021 uh, with the traveling, but uh, we'll figure that out as we go along and uh, looking forward to what's next. Yeah, I can imagine there's going to be probably a lot of restrictions on just travel and like even entering the ballpark in general. I know they're, I mean, they're not doing full capacity fans either, I'd assume. So, no, it varies by, you know, state, municipality. All the teams are operating under their own set of specific circumstances. And uh, 
at least starting out, it's going to be obviously 25% capacity. I don't know what coverage will be allowed media wise in terms of having access to people, certainly not players, even though that's never been my main angle. Um, quote unquote, wait and see approach for a while, but I am hoping that as the summer, uh, really gets underway and we get a lot closer to a full vaccination or what as close as we can get. And, uh, the country really opens back up. I hope minor league baseball is right there with it and I hope I can get out there. So we're going to kind of go away from COVID now. Um, what's the, your like favorite promotion you've ever seen or attended just in general from any minor league or major league team for that instance? No, it's, it's another question I've been asked a lot and I kind of settled on, um, I settled on one a couple of years ago because it was just so unique and it's, it's very specific, but in terms of just blowing your mind, it was definitely the best promotion I ever experienced live. And that was in 2017. If you remember, there was the, uh, the national eclipse, uh, the eclipse that moved um, Southeast across the country, starting in the Pacific Northwest and throughout the day, uh, this eclipse was going on throughout the United States. And uh, a number of teams in the so-called path of totality, where there was going to be total darkness, uh, did schedule ball games around the eclipse. And I went to one of those uh, path of totality eclipse games. Um, the one I ended up at was in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, the Fireflies. So to go to a daytime game in South Carolina, sold out crowd, you know, have the team logo eclipse glasses they handed out to everyone. And then uh, be watching a game like everything's normal. And then, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a delay. And just being among, you know, nine, over 9,000 people as a total darkness came over the stadium and then the light slowly came back. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, resume the game, prop of the fifth inning or whatever the case was. It was just a, a phenomenal to experience it in that context. And, you know, the team did a good job with, well, you know, I think probably legally they had to give away the glasses because that's a safety yeah. issue, uh, but having, you know, a, a science fair element to it as well. And, uh, you know, eclipse themed, uh, you know, promotions and in, bet in between any contests and uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, just blowing out the theme, but uh, yeah, to be at a ballpark and witness a natural phenomenon an astrological and astronomical <laughs> phenomenon, I think is the word I'm looking for. Uh, was pretty exciting. Awesome. Uh, really cool. Appreciate the answer there. Ben, obviously you're pretty famous for your uh, designated year program where you have someone eat kind of the craziest, wackiest food across Miley baseball. Kind of for you, what's the craziest thing or like the best thing you've seen? Uh, obviously, because I know sometimes you can't eat it, but what's the best thing you've seen? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thanks for using the word famous in relation to something I do. I think you're really stretching the definition there, but I uh, <laughs> uh, do appreciate it. Um, yeah, designated eaters. Uh, I started that when I got diagnosed with celiac disease in 2012, which means no wheat, rye, barley, gluten-free. And obviously that takes a lot of ballpark food off the the literal menu and um you know that's always been a big angle covering the fan experience side of the minor leagues uh you know i was like i still got to cover food so had that idea of like well you know it evolved over the years but essentially uh you know i would find a fan at every ballpark uh you know i would recruit them in advance in most cases especially as the years went on and uh you know just cover them trying the food and uh had a lot of fun with that and it, it's tough to say like Man, best food. There's been so much. I, I generally go back to El Paso in my mind as a, as a place that I think the food is spectacular. I mean, that ballpark is essentially on the Mexican border uh, with Juarez. Uh, a lot of the employees, game day employees, you know, are actually Mexican, live in Mexico and come across, um, you know, to work at the games, you know, literally walk 
yeah. uh, to the games. Um, and uh, so there's, you know, really legit Mexican food there. Uh, nachos, the slow cooked taco meat, uh, those like Clamato type drinks, like Bloody Mary looking drinks with like the strips of beef jerky and olives in it. And uh, so I do, uh, I do go back to, uh, to El Paso in my mind quite a bit. I mean, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, you know, they got the obsession with bacon, but they also just have a lot of really uh, creative things every year. Um, geez, it all blurs together. Yes. Um, there's been so much. And, you know, being gluten-free myself, I look for the nachos because um, yeah. those can't, should, should be gluten-free. They're not always are, but, uh, you know, when you can get something like Philly cheesesteak nachos, a great example of those in Hartford. Uh, Hartford Yard Goat. It's another place with great food in general. It's Dunkin' Donuts Park, and uh, you know, so they have the Dunkin' Donuts burger and things like that. Um, but yeah, whenever you can get some like Philly cheesesteak nachos or nachos with like really good fresh ingredients, well done, creative. Uh, that's something I'm into as well. And uh, yeah, food's huge across the minors, and as you guys are probably aware, you know, a lot of uh, teams having one night uh, rebranding promotions where they name themselves after a local food item. And you learn so much about the culinary history of the country through minor league baseball, both through those promotions and just kind of what they, what each team serves. I mean, you're going to always see the hot dogs and popcorn and peanuts and Cracker Jack, but it's always cool to see uh, what different regions specialize in, you know, barbecue or Mexican food or, uh, you know, go to Binghamton and get some speedies or, you know, whatever the case may be, go to Biloxi and get oysters, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'm kind of curious. Um, I'm from Rochester, New York, where uh, the Red Wings are based. So I know they have the garbage plate and they've kind of been rolling all that out and they, you know, switched to their identity as the plates. I have like a plates hat and everything. I was wondering if you've ever tried or like done the designated eater thing with uh, one of the garbage plates. Uh, it, uh, the last time I was at uh, Rochester Red Wings was before the whole plates identity, but I did have a designated eater there, uh, a guy named Brad. And uh he uh, had the garbage plate there and also same region of the country, obviously Batavia. When I visited the Batavia muck dogs, mm -hmm. they had a garbage plate as well. And uh, I've had, I forget the, I forget where I was somewhere in that general area, but I've had yeah. some garbage plates too. Gotten some gluten-free iterations. I mean, it's a garbage plate, so you can customize them pretty well. I know I'm sure you have your opinions and I'm sure the locals are, you know, get territorial about what really constitutes a good garbage plate, but also you're calling it a garbage plate. So you can't get too high. And <laughs> very, very true. Yeah. They, it's yeah. definitely not known like throughout the country. So it's, I like asking anybody that's been to Rochester, like, you know, if they've heard of them or how they feel about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Who's the guy, Nick, Nick Tahoe. What's his name? Yeah. Or Nick Tahoe. Tahoe. Yep. Nick or that's, Tahoe. that's one of, that's like the place that originated at in Rochester. Nick Tahoe. Yeah. It's like all, all my buddies that go to like college around there, I'll like go there every weekend. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I heard it's a pretty inebriated scene at night. So. Oh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. All right, so we'll move on to um, – I know you said you're not really on the player side that much, but um, who's, like, the best, in your opinion, like, the best or most interesting uh, minor league player you've seen at a minor league game? You know, that's a good question because what I do, meeting with my designated eater, covering between inning contests or even participating in them, interviewing people on the history side, diehard fans – so much of my time at the ballpark is away from the action on the field, which is a little ironic because I do love baseball, but in terms of going to a game and being like, Oh, I saw this guy. Usually it's just something kind of retroactive where I'm like, Oh yeah, he was there. But in terms of like moments when I was just watching a game and like, Whoa, look at this guy. 
those have been so few and far between. I remember being in Harrisburg and Juan Soto was there, I think for probably a very brief time in double mm-hmm. A. I'm sure he was in uh, Washington at the end of the year, but I remember seeing him and he had a lot of hype around him. Um, Didi Gregorius in Pensacola. Um, I interviewed him. Um, <laughs> when I interviewed Didi Gregorius, I just happened when I was driving to the ballpark to see a, um, a music venue and the sign out front said the Cannibal Corpse was playing that night. Uh, you know, legendary death metal band. Yeah. So I asked Didi Gregorius if he had plans to see Cannibal Corpse, and he said no. But I feel like I'm the only person who's asked Didi Gregorius about death metal. There you go. <laughs> Most likely, yes. And then piggybacking off that question as well, if you could mic up any player in baseball history, who would it be? Uh, baseball history? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're given wow. anybody. That's a good one. I mean, I, I think I'd just go with my uh, – with my sort of, uh, well, I mean, just going through history, I mean, a really obvious answer would be Babe Ruth. I mean, yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, he's the babe. I mean, that would just be an amazing thing. Also, though, growing up in Philadelphia, a Phillies fan, I mean, if I just kind of went to the heart of, you know, what I loved growing up, as well as personality, probably be like, you know, John Cruck during a game in 1993 and all the, uh, you know, real good, dry, sarcastic sense of humor. I'm sure lots of put downs among his teammates. <laughs> You know, they called Jim Eisenreich Dahmer because he re- he resembled uh, the serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. That kind of that, that kind of humor. Uh, yeah, I think I I'd pick a contemporary. I think I just want John Crook at the vet some summer night in 1993. Awesome, man. Really appreciate appreciate your honesty. Appreciate all your answers here. Uh, next question, Godfrey. You mentioned there's kind of like a lot of one-off rebrands, especially with now the Copa jerseys coming through Miami baseball. What's kind of like the best one you've seen, either food or Copa? I know I'm currently rocking my San Jose Churros jersey proud here. Kind of what's the favorite one you've seen so far? Well, you know, just piggybacking off that, I do love the Churros one uh, because Churros, of course, they're prevalent in San Jose, but it's not like San Jose proper is like the churro capital of the world. You know, right. what I love about San Jose and Churros is that's really related to their iconic vendor, you know, uh, yeah, Paul, Paul, yep. Paul yeah. Cerda. Yeah. And uh, I got a chance to uh, interview him when I was there. So I love the story behind that, yeah. that it's about, it's a ball, it's it's not just, it's not so much a regional specialty as yeah. it is a ballpark specialty yeah. uh, tied into the efforts of one man having awesome churros and being a ballpark icon. Um, so I actually, I mean, that's an easy answer because yeah. you just kind of yeah. allow me to keep riffing on what the, the shirt you were wearing, but um, yeah. that is definitely one. Um, in terms of uh, rebrands or uh, alternate identities, they've obviously gotten pretty absurd through the years. I think one of my favorites, because um, I like re- I like really specific stuff and yeah. stuff that is kind of like, what are they doing? Um, <laughs> but the Syracuse, I think it was their last year as the Chiefs. They're now the yeah. Syracuse Mets, but I think it was during their last year as the Chiefs and I want to say 2018. Um, they did a series of promotions related to Central New York, innovation in Central New York. And as part of that, they did a promotion uh, related to uh, the Brannock device, which no one knows what that is. If you say a Brannock device, but then everyone knows what, they, what it is once they hear what it is. And the Brannock device, which was invented in Syracuse, is when you go to a shoe store and put your foot, you know, your sock, take off your shoe and put your foot in the foot, the metal foot measuring device. You know what I mean? That's a Brannock yeah. device. Yeah. So uh, the Syracuse Chiefs played a game as the Brannock or as the Syracuse devices in honor of the foot measuring tool. And they had like an anthropomorphic, you know, Brannock device <laughs> logo 
and uh you know they had like feet related promotions and uh that kind of thing and i i really like that kind of thing uh salute to the Brannock device and that's really i mean yeah. not to be overly earnest but yeah. one of the reasons i love minor league baseball so much yeah. is like i know so much more about america yeah. because of the things that minor league teams do um and you know what makes each place unique and, and that's a prime example awesome yeah definitely um so we're gonna move on to the next one um so in general who's the most interesting person you've ever worked with like someone I wrote about, did a story on kind of thing? Or I'm, just... I'm talking more about like work, like as a colleague. I mean, a colleague in baseball, I mean, I don't think he has a huge name outside my office, but it would be my friend Danny Wild is the most interesting <laughs> person. Uh, very hard guy to figure out. Uh, he can be kind of uh, quiet and aloof, but he's got a lot of passions for photography, for uh, West Point uh, football. He's the photographer for West Point football. <laughs> Um, he's not on Twitter, so we always call him Twitterless Danny Wild. Uh, he lives in he lives in Manuet, not, and he hates New York City. So he hates community in New York City, and he lives in Manuet. And he loves taking uh, photographs of the wildlife in Nanuet and surrounding areas while complaining about New York City. Does my friend Danny Wild? There we go. There nice. we go. There we go. All right, Ben. Let's say you're given you're given a um, Miley ownership. What team, or like what city are you bringing back to Miami baseball? If you could bring back one team, what, which team would you bring back? Oh, bring back. So this is a place that does not have minor league yeah. baseball yeah. at the moment. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, if I also bring it back and, you know, into a awesome ballpark yeah. <laughs> in a great neighborhood and yeah. part of bringing the team back is a, a whole bunch of different ideal circumstances. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome to bring a team back to New Orleans, which had a yep. team all the way through uh, 2019 before they moved to Wichita. And you find places like New Orleans can be tough for minor league baseball when there's so much competition for the entertainment dollar. And that team wasn't in the city proper. And I know that city doesn't really offer a lot of room to build, but if uh, could get a ballpark that was new and a little and more in New Orleans proper, I don't know the city well enough to know exactly where a ballpark park would go but they could really tap into the energy of new orleans new orleans and not be you know in an outlying suburb you know among kind of strip malls and chain stores and that kind of thing but really uh speaks new orleans and the overall landscape i don't know how feasible that is probably not very feasible at all but um you know it's a city with so much culture and history and uh to be able to run a team you know really deep within that and and, and um, really pay tribute to the local character would be great and of course, I'd have to get a lot of people around me who are locals and really know it and uh, could really blow it out in terms of celebrating one of the most unique cities in the United States. Awesome. So this is going to bring us to the last kind of question in this like section um, that we have. Uh, weirdest experience at a ballpark? You know, there's so many weird... My, I feel like my job is weird just because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this, like I'm a weird... I mean, I, I think you kind of have to be weird to have gotten this job in, or to... <laughs> have done this in the first place and so i feel like i'm kind of a weirdo and a lot of nights alone in strange places just there for one night and trying to make sense of it and being in a racing mascot food costume and you know just being like what is happening right now so like a weirdest experience it's a good question yeah like the i mean weirdest experience like the the weirdest one well i mean one that i kind of go back to just because it was formative is when i was still part-time and 
didn't have a road trip budget. You know, I was uh, really intrigued by the Altoona curve, how they did awful night every year as a promotion. And the premise of that was essentially uh, doing everything wrong, you know, spelling errors on the video board graphics and posting players failure averages and uh, giving away things that no one would want and all that sort of stuff. So um, I love that kind of thing in minor league baseball when teams do promotions that are not going to pack the park, but if you have 70 home games a year and sometimes you're just going to do stuff just to flex your own creative muscles, have fun, hopefully get a little press just for how absurd you're being. So that was one of the first times I went somewhere to cover a promotion and uh, just, you know, little things about it, like getting sporks, a spork as a uh, giveaway item when you walk through the gates and a uh, shirtless man singing, uh, wearing a cape, singing falsetto, take me out to the ball game. And the team um, earnestly advertising a laser light show at the end of the game. But the thing is, their announcer at the time, their broadcaster was named John Laser, L-A-A-S-E-R. So the laser light show they were hyping up all game was their broadcaster in a bodysuit and glow sticks. And he just danced in the middle of the field. <laughs> it's perfect. That's amazing. I, didn't, I had no clue that went on. That's great. <laughs> All right, Nick, I'm going to give it to you to uh, introduce the next kind of uh, section of questions. Go ahead. Yeah, it's only a couple of questions here. There's a couple of ma- mascot hypotheticals here, kind of like which mascot would you choose for this exact scenario? So let's say you're deserted on a, on a deserted island bed. You need to survive. Which mascot are you, are you choosing as your partner to help either have the most fun island or get off the island? Yeah, you want a resourceful mascot. Yeah. Uh, somebody can really use his noggin. Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I'd say in recent years, um, you know, Portland Sea Dogs, they have Slugger the Sea Dog, and yeah. he's always doing really elaborate, well choreographed dance routines that show a lot of uh, forethought and muscle to put that all together. I mean, he's, he's strong to do the routines he does and uh, shows a work ethic as well as, uh, you know, the ability to take a challenging thing and take the time to get it right. So, you know, he might be good on the desert island to, you know, help. Uh, deal with things like shelter building fires all the things that i you know i'm I'm assuming i'm dying immediately if i'm alone so i need someone who (laughs) takes takes initiative in that way and uh and uh is really strong and can can help me get off the island and uh yeah so why not why not go with him with a slugger from the portland sea dogs and it's maine you know maine's a hardy state Yep. You got to really have some uh, grit to live out there. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, oh, there you go. I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a good answer. I, I, yeah. I just need logic there. All right. Next one in here is you're in a hot dog eating contest. Which mascot are you choosing to be your designated eater? I mean, pretty much all mascots like to eat. Yeah. Although, strangely, you never yeah. see them put food actually in their mouths, which is uh, yeah, really strange. You know, I'm going to go with... Uh, a guy I've uh, been a fan with, a fan of for a long time, uh, boomer of the Williamsport Crosscutters. Yeah. Um, he's just a wild man. Like his origin story <laughs> is that he wandered in from the woods and he has like leaves and dirt on him. And I just feel like he could really tap into his feral instincts in a hot dog eating contest. You know, no decorum. Yeah. Just go back to the laws of the wild and the laws of the woods and just okay. just ravage those hot dogs. Awesome. All right, last mascot hypothetical for you. Uh, Hollywood comes up to you. They're making a movie about your life. Which mascot's playing you? Oh, man, I already used Boomer as an, as an answer. I kind of like being played by a yeah. weirdo who wanders in from the woods. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of a mascot that really has my characteristics. No, I, I think I would go with Bernie and yeah. uh, in the Inland uh, Empire 66 or San Bernardino. Yeah. Um, because he's got a uh, he, he's a little uh, a minx. He's got a sprightly flair <laughs> about him, and uh, he's one of the few mascots who uh, speaks. Well, he doesn't say words, but he goes yeah. like, "Woo!" So at least you know <laughs> this mascot playing me could have some, even if it's not real speaking lines, yeah. the ability to articulate you know different emotions and how I'm feeling. You know, like you know, really happy, like "woo," and then really sad and despondent, like "woo." <laughs> then I think the audience would be more in touch with how this uh, me on the screen is feeling as played by master thespian Bernie of the Indolent Empire. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm kicking over to Evan. Last set of questions right here. All right. Yeah. So we're going to introduce a new segment that we have not done on the podcast yet. It's going to be called fair or foul. So I'm going to read you some statements and you simply just have to reply fair or foul fair being you agree statement is true foul being you disagree. All right, so let's get it started here. A hot dog is a sandwich. Foul. Pineapple, pineapple belongs on pizza. Fair. Mm, all right. Uh, eating pizza with a fork and knife is acceptable. Foul. Foul. Socks with sandals. Foul. The book is always better than the movie. Always? Uh, foul. And last but not least, the runner on second base rule for extra innings for major leagues this year. For major leagues, foul. Awesome. All right, guys, that's going to send us out. Ben, we really appreciate the time. Interview was awesome. Loved your answers, your energy. All of it was great. We really appreciate it. Cool, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for being interested in minor league baseball. Yeah, no problem at all, Ben. Anything you, while you're here you want to plug, anywhere where people can find you? Ah, uh, well, Twitter is always a good place to start. The mighty Twitter at Ben's Biz, B-E-N-S-B-I-Z. Uh, yeah, I've had tons and tons of work uh, appear on MILB.com. And uh, a lot of it, especially now, is also appearing on MLB.com over there with the big boys. So, um, yeah, you know, just uh, start with Ben's Biz and uh, see what you find from there. All right. Big thank you to Benjamin Hill on that interview. I thought it was phenomenal i mean awesome. ben gave some really good insights on things in general uh loved hearing his stories and i the one that really got me was the one about the uh altoona curve doing the uh yeah you know bad day that that's yeah. awesome i didn't know that, 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 that that's, that's peak minor league baseball right there that's yes. what i love i know i know evan i've worked in minor league baseball five years you've worked you've worked a couple summers in minor league baseball this is why we love it also a quick note to anybody listening minor league baseball opening day is just a couple weeks away Start started um early of early May. If you are if there's a Riley team in your town, please go support Riley Baseball. It does not get enough support, and there's some really cool things that happen at Riley Baseball Parks. Yeah, uh, very good. So, like I said, another big thanks to Ben. Uh, we hope to maybe see him on again at some point. Um, Nick, I'm going to shoot it to you to close us out here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, like I said, thanks to Ben again for coming on to this interview. You can you can follow him at Ben Biz on Twitter. 
Uh, you already know my spill at the end. We do have a red bubble store now. If you want stickers, if you want mugs with three bagger logos on, we have some more logos on there now. We have up to like nine different three bagger variations of things we said or different things associated with the show. Go on the go on the red bubble there. Portions that go back to the, go back to this podcast to help us make new content for you guys. We also have a new YouTube video out. Kind of we did a three bagger out of the park baseball series. We we did a inaugural draft. You can see how who players like in the draft and see that's gonna be exciting series going forward so go ahead and check that out on youtube just search uh three bagger out of the park baseball should pop up right up and um you can always follow us on twitter and instagram at three bagger pod make sure you're listening you're subscribing you're rating and as always you gotta be very careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there thanks for listening guys